Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. And you can reach us at our website, www.nkofcoc.com. And now that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, and I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, an evangelist. And I'm Ross Oldenkamp, an evangelist. We are going to be focusing our attention in this particular episode on the healing of the paralytic. We will be, it appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 2, and Luke chapter 5. We'll be turning our attention to Mark chapter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus came back to Capernaum, a few days later it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer space, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Some people came bringing to him a man who was paralyzed, carried by four men. When they were unable to get him, get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. After digging an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralyzed man was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and thinking, thinking it over in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Merely Jesus, aware in his spirit, they were thinking the way, thinking that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you thinking about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, Get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone. They were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. After an absence of some time, not, it's not specified, but after some time, Jesus returned to Capernaum. He was sitting in what is referred to as the house. Uh, Capernaum is referred to as his city in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1. And I, I'm assuming, and I'd be interested to know if you guys agree with me or not, I'm assuming that the, the house made reference to was probably Peter's home there in the city of Capernaum, because we know Peter was from there. Possibly. Okay. Inside the dwelling, it was full to capacity. Even the doorway was filled, and even beyond that, outside in the streets, they were thronged with people, all of them clustered upon the, around the house. And part of the audience listening to Jesus is described by Luke as Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by who were coming out of every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Even the religious leaders of the nation had their representatives present, some coming all the way from Jerusalem. I think it's clear that the rapid rise in the popularity of Jesus was a source of concern to some of the leaders of the Jews. Yeah, you know, the the picture here presents many obstacles in coming to Jesus because if if you've got if you're carrying a paralyzed man 
on a cot and you come to a house where there's not even room not just not to room to make your way through the house there's not even room to get into the house they're they're overflowing out onto the porch you might say there's obstacle number one and it'd be easy it'd be easy to say uh, you know this is this is just not going to work there's no room for us but i know that it shows the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are dedicated and determined uh, to help this man and are not uh, not going to be easily swayed. So, in this massively crowded situation, come these four individuals, bearing one sick of the palsy on a bed. And the crowd, as you were mentioning, Ross, was so great that they could not even get through it to bring this individual to Jesus, but they didn't give up. They thought of a way to do it. They would go to the rooftop of the house and lower the man down into the presence of Jesus. Now for us, that would be kind of far-fetched and most difficult. But in Palestine, it was not such a difficult or far-fetched idea. Most of the houses in Palestine were built with flat roofs, and many of them had tiles that could easily be removed and then replaced without damage to the house. Luke makes it clear that this particular house did indeed have a tile roof. So, with determination born of faith, they carried out their plan and lowered the man sick of the palsy into the presence of Jesus. It's hard to imagine a more dramatic way of bringing this fellow into the Lord. How would Jesus respond? What would he do? That's the question. Yeah, amazing. Verse 5, the way it starts out, and Jesus seeing their faith. So seeing the faith, um, certainly of the of the paralytic, but the friends as well in their belief on, there was many obstacles as we have just talked about, um, and yet still they were faithful in knowing we just got to get him to Jesus. We got to get him to Jesus and and let Jesus do what he pleases and, and knowing that he could heal this man. We might try to define palsy and let everyone know what that is. It is a disease that was characterized by extreme loss of the power of motion dependent on some affection either of the motor centers of the brain or of the spinal cord. And it is always serious, usually intractable, and generally sudden in onset, and that's from the International Bible Standard Encyclopedia. The narrative indicates that Jesus was impressed by their faith and that he was moved. No matter what those in the house might have been expecting, I find it hard to imagine that they expected Jesus to say what he said. Son, your sins are forgiven you. It's important to note that the forgiveness of this man's sin and the healing of his affliction were not synonymous and it was not physical healing and was not physical healing it was foremost in Jesus's mind that his sins be forgiven and a right relationship be sustained with God that was first and foremost the healing could come later the first statement in addition to showing us the proper priorities also illustrates a marvelous character trait of Jesus he was the son of God he knew that such a statement in the presence of the Pharisees and doctors of the law 
would elicit a severe denunciation. He knew that it would certainly be repeated in Judea and Jerusalem. Yet he did not fear controversy or its consequences. Jesus' actions speak directly to those today who say that we should not say, do, or teach anything that might offend someone or generate controversy. You know, this uh, forgiving of his sins was clearly a teaching tool, uh, but it also does illustrate the order of Jesus' concern. And we've seen this in the past also. Uh, But Jesus had a focus on souls first, bodies second. So his first concern was about his his uh, sins. Second, about his his physical health. We, when the disciples in John four said, "Jesus, uh, you need to eat. Eat something." Jesus, Jesus likewise says, "I have food to eat that you don't know of." You know, his focus first and foremost was uh, of spiritual things, and he. He wouldn't be afraid to miss a meal, being so busy, concerned about the spiritual welfare of others. Yeah, with the scribe's reaction that we see in verse 6 and 7, I'm sitting there and thinking, why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? If Jesus was just a man, then they're they're right in their thinking of level of who is this person to, to be able to do that without the... Um, aspect of of being God, and so for them it's the certainly the ignorance, um, and as we'll see in other places, and perhaps even here arrogance, to not believe in who Jesus is. Um, but they're going to learn learn a lesson here um, as we continue to go through the story. Yeah, the first evidence of Jesus's claim, I think, was to read their hearts because they did not verbalize the thoughts that were going through their mind. They were thinking them, and Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he declared out loud what they were thinking. He then laid down the proposition that he would prove that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins by a miracle. Which is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk? Obviously, It's easier to pronounce forgiveness of a man's sin, for they would have no visible means of testing the truth of the claims to such authority. But, if he commanded the man to rise up, healed of the dreadful disease that had rendered him helpless, they would be able to test the reality of his authority. Thus, Jesus proved the less difficult by the more difficult. And the reason his argument was valid was because it was only by the authority of God that he could do either, and he proved the one to to make the other. Yeah, you know, Scripture says no one knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man who's in the man. So I agree wholeheartedly. This is this is an evidence of the deity of Jesus for him to be able to say uh, in his own mind to, to perceive what they were reasoning within themselves. It's it's the same reason why Peter would throw himself down saying, Depart, I'm a sinful man. He, he knows that Jesus knows their thoughts. Yeah, I, and then with Jesus' response, um, or continued response, verse 11, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Just 
the certainly I think the reaction of all the people there. Uh, we we know that the um, paralytic is going to immediately it says pick up his pallet and and went out in the sight of everyone and all the people are amazed. So certainly for the paralytic, absolutely life changing event that happens in his life. You can imagine the friends that carried him here, the joy they must have had to see what they envisioned to happen, or at least knowing in the faith they had, lead to the result of this their friend being healed. But all people there were saying, we have never seen anything like this. They were glorifying God. They were amazed. It's just, again, the power and awesomeness of Jesus Christ was seen um, time and time again by numerous amount of people here, to the point that we talked about earlier, there wasn't even any more space in the room that they had that that's how many people were in this house um just an awesome miracle yet again i think it's interesting as well that we do not hear or read of the scribes and pharisees doctors of the law responding to jesus's response to their thoughts in other words there was nothing they could really say if the the only reason the Pharisees and the doctors of the law did not object to his really astounding declaration as being contrary to the ordinances in the law was because all of that paled in comparison to the larger implied claim of Jesus. He was saying he was deity. And to have authority in himself and upon earth to forgive sins, they didn't respond to him at that particular time. That takes care of the paralytic man. We'll now go to a well-known passage of Scripture, the call of Matthew. And we want to stay, where do we want to go for that one? We'll stay in Matthew, we'll go to Matthew chapter 9 and look at verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's office, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and began dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Now go and learn what this means. I desire, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, for I not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It may be somewhat surprising that Jesus would want to uh, consort with a man like Matthew as a tax collector. He would not have been someone very popular with the common man. Uh, there was a there was a, a practice among tax collectors uh, to. Uh, not be the very fair in their dealings. I uh, understand that the practice was to collect what was required and any additional that they could uh, squeeze out of the citizens would be uh, money on the top that they could take home for themselves. That's why when tax collectors came to John the Baptist, he said uh, uh, that you only take what, uh, what you were authorized to take from them as a matter of fruit of repentance. So Jesus calls Matthew as a tax collector 
and shows us that uh, really he's got he's got good news for all manner of men. All sinners uh, will be received by the Lord. It's interesting that in the gospel accounts, publicans and sinners are often linked together. Uh, yet Jesus called this man to follow him, and he did. Matthew made a great feast in his home. Certainly Jesus would have been the guest of honor. At this feast were present many of Matthew's colleagues, as well as Jesus and his disciples, of which there were many. This prompted murmuring on the part of the Pharisees and the scribes. How is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? I think the answer is obvious. The love of Jesus took him into some of the most unlikely places and in search of those who needed him. His love took him into the highways and the byways. The scribes and Pharisees could keep their self-righteous distance from the publicans and refuse to go into their homes for fear of defiling themselves, and they would could condemn and belittle Jesus for his association with them. But our Lord went immediately to the heart of the matter. In response to their murmuring, Jesus said, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, uh, I'm interested in this feast that Matthew holds for his tax collector friends. He obviously wants for them to meet Jesus and to be blessed by him just as he was blessed. In our last study, uh, we saw that Peter had a boat that Jesus was able to make use of. In this case, Matthew has a house. And I just wonder, what do you have? What do I have? What do I have that I can uh, utilize in the service of Jesus? Uh, do I have a, a nice big house that I can uh, open up to a large number of people who can get to know uh, believers in our area and be influenced by them to know God? Uh, how has God blessed you and how are you going to use what Paul will call grain or seed for the sower in order to, to bless his kingdom? There's a whole lot to be found in Jesus' statement. He was the physician in that statement. The publicans were the ones who were sick, and the Pharisees and scribes were the ones who were whole. However, whole and righteous as applied to the Pharisees and scribes was their own estimate of themselves. They thought that they were well, but they were desperately sick and did not even know it. The publicans were sick. Yes, they were. They were sin sick. But to help and to cure them was the very reason that Jesus had come. The charge that Jesus associated with sinners was to his glory, not to his shame. Out of this association came Matthew, faithful apostle and author of the gospel that bears his name. The Pharisees and scribes could not understand the significance of Hosea 6 and verse 6. The ordinances of the law meant very little if they were not underscored by love and compassion. The very attributes of character are so lacking in their faith. Yeah, it's and so important our hearts in how we do things. We see um, throughout, throughout the scriptures, people just 
um, worshiping God or doing what God says for the sake of getting it done, almost treating it like a, a checklist on a, on a reminder sheet that you're able to cross it off as though you did it that day. Um, your heart is so important on how we're looking at things, um, that we are looking at things with love and compassion and how we act and how we live, just as Greg was saying. Okay, that takes us to about the close of this particular episode today. We appreciate each and every one of you who has listened. We encourage you to tell your friends about it. And you can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening.